Episode 173 of the Bevan James Isle Show, Revealing the Thing You Disguise. Rightio, Tim, welcome along to episode 173 of the Bevan James I'll Show, your fortnightly behaviour on the behaviours that create a lifetime love of fitness, so you can get all the benefits that come alongside this. Uh, I'm recording this literally about a week and a half before Christmas, and I just think it's an important thing. Now, I know podcasts you can be listened to in the future, so I'm not quite sure exactly when you are listening to this, but what I do want to acknowledge is that when we head into the Christmas season, it can often be a pretty stressful time in people's lives. Um, there's lots of reasons for this. Uh, there's often the, the added pressure of getting everything done before Christmas. Now, in most industries, or in a lot of industries, we get to this time of year and the deadlines come in, pressure comes on, everyone wants everything done before Christmas, and you just experience this kind of overstressing that happens. Uh, in combination with that, it's also quite a social time of year, so we tend to go uh, to poor sleep, poor nutrition, um, poor rest strategies and all these types of things. It's also a really financial time of the year. It's interesting, I'm, I'm a really good budgeter. Joe and my wife and I, we, we sit down and have our budget meetings and, and we really uh, are quite stupidly anal with our money. But it's really interesting, I've budgeted pretty much since I was 19, uh, weekly budgets, and pretty much every year, December will cost about three times as much as any other month of the year. Um, so it's also a really expensive time of the year and if you are somebody who's sitting on that financial edge where you know there isn't much leeway in place around your financials, if this month is going to cost you three times as much as any other month, there's a stress that comes with that. You know, financial stress is is a huge thing for a lot of people out there. And if you're living paycheck to paycheck, A, it's probably time that you started to identify some work that you need to do around your finances. But B, it's just really important to acknowledge that it is a really stressful time. And um, I just it's just one thing. I've, I've had a few interactions with people over the last few days where they've just quite openly expressed to me that they're just kind of under the pump and in and, and a way that goes beyond being a little bit stressed you know where where it's kind of like overwhelming overwhelming in a way that's getting to that kind of slightly unhealthy place and you know when we always think about well what's the effects of a bad place you know like well if you're for you know stressed from work tired and hungry or tired and you know because you've been out drinking and eating and socializing too much and then you feel financial pressure at the same time among other things you know there's more life stresses that probably come around let's say your kids are on holidays well kids on holidays often create a lot of stress um and so it's just really important like often i get to this time of year and i the message i often talk about is you know like try not to go too much into temptation you know, enjoy and a bit of what this time of the year has to offer to you. So, you know, you are going to have more social functions, but kind of keep some context in place. And, and it's a good message to keep in place because the whole idea is that you get to this other side of, of Christmas and New Year and you haven't done too much damage. That's always been my message this time of year. And while that's always an important message, to me, another message needs to be is make sure you look after your stress. And there's probably a couple of things you want to think about here. First of all, what can you say no to? 
what can you put some limits on yourself in that won't build stress? Because the best way to look after stress is to minimize the amount of stress I'm going to experience. So let's even just look at the financial side of things. Um, if you want to look after your financial side of things, maybe let's just say you spend a lot on Christmas presents for everybody. Maybe you can just give yourself a smaller budget and you can be a bit more innovative in the way you buy presents. So instead of spending, I don't know, let's say you spend $1,000 on everyone you buy for, uh, instead of spending 1000 you could see if you could do it for 500 and you can be creative, so it becomes quite a fun game where you're still getting presents to everybody, but it doesn't come at that price point which creates that financial pressure. You know, and if I go back to that point I just mentioned before, this whole idea of the best way to deal with stress is to minimize stress before you even get it. It's a really important way of looking at this time of year. And, and to be honest, now we are only a few days out from Christmas, so it might be a little bit late for you to think about this, but even now, are there things that you can do? So on that social side, it might be that you might choose, you know, you might have four social functions a week in the next few weeks leading up to Christmas. And if that's the case, you might say, you know what, three of them, I'm going to pretty put some good boundaries in front of them. I'm going to go along for two hours. I'm going to make sure I'm home by nine so I can still have a good night's sleep. I'm not going to drink or I'm going to have one wine and, and I'm going to have a little bit of food. And then one of those functions, which is the one that I is most appealing, I will go a bit more all out in. Um, but if you can do that really well, then you're going to get better sleep. You'll probably keep your nutrition levels at the right level. You'll still have a bit of fun and enjoyment out of it, but it's not going to come at the real cost to your stress. Uh, the other area I mentioned before was with work. Now, I think with work, one of the things that's really important is to create really clear boundaries. I was speaking to a guy, a lovely guy called Craig. He's a really nice guy, actually. Actually, I was speaking to him. He comes to my class. Him and his partner come to my class, and he's, he's, a, he's a tough bugger. He loves destroying himself in my sprint class. And we were just walking outside of the gym the other day, and he, he was just telling me that one thing him and his wife do is every holiday over the Christmas time, before they actually get into Christmas, they go away and they do one of New Zealand's great walks. So Abel Tasman is to me, Abel Tasman is one of our beautiful walks. Um, it's like a three or four day walk. It, to me, it's one of my most favorite places in the world. I've done a running race there before, I've walked it before, it's just paradise. And what he does with his partner is each year, they go along to one of these amazing walks in New Zealand, and at the start of their holiday, it's the first thing they do. And he said, it's just really amazing because you come off there, you're so in touch with nature, you're so in touch with your relationship, and you're so in touch with, with yourself so that you can really embrace the rest of the holiday. So it's almost the ultimate unwind because you're spending it, doing it in this kind of really zen-like way. And when we think about, and, but oh, it wasn't my point in talking to Craig, but I, I did like that. But as I was talking to Craig, he was just talking about how he works in, basically he does, um, uh, it's kind of like a, a big box store, but he works with commercial customers. So selling like electronics and uh, houseware, but for, for big commercial companies. So it's pretty high level. But he was saying he got a, a phone call for the other day from a guy who basically had ordered a, a product. Uh, and when they ordered the product, they said, look, it's going to take you 12 weeks to get it. And this guy rang up, putting a lot of pressure on him, saying, where is it, where is it? And it was only nine weeks later. And he just said, look, I was just really clear around, look, mate, I don't mean to be rude, but we did communicate really clear to you that this is how, when it was going to be. And it's still going to be three weeks away. Um, and I just really like what he did because sometimes what we do at this time and again if we go back to that premise of the easiest way to deal with stress is to create as little stress as possible sometimes we're our own worst enemies because we say yes to people when we shouldn't say yes to people and at this time of year if you're under the pump 
when someone picks you up and even if it's a desperate situation if you say yes then your chance of stress goes up now sometimes you will choose to, to say yes but I think you're just going to put a bit of a, a, a pause moment in there a moment to reflect and actually think is this possible and it's okay to put boundaries in place like I remember one client I was working with and she is a business owner and um and was and, and you know when you're a business owner it can be really hard because you, you know you it, it's it's a vulnerable world being a business owner because while history might show you you're going to be successful or at least you're going to be consistently in a good place in the long term there's always this kind of nagging thing in the back of your mind of but what if I don't get sales tomorrow and so what you tend to find for a lot of business owners especially small business owners is they do become just yes people uh, the cost of that is really massive on their life but because they say yes to everything they're always last and one of the things I talked about with my client earlier on was just that, well, your job is to create boundaries with your clients. Uh, and it's not that you're rude and it's not that you don't deliver. It's just that you create a, a dialogue with your client that is really realistic around the expectations of how it's going to work with you. A great example of that is when I work with clients, one of the first things where I, I often have a catch-up meeting, I actually had a catch-up meeting with a new client the other day, a uh, real nice guy, and we caught, up, we caught up and we just had this conversation, I told him how I work, uh, you know, it seemed to be a good relationship and he's kind of signed on to get some coaching from me. Now, one of the things I always say to my clients is, um, I'm on your team, so when you sign up with me, I'm on your team, I'm totally there, you know, if you've got a problem, you can email me at any time. One thing you need to know about me is I only do my emails once a day and on Friday I don't do my emails at all. So what I've done there is in this relationship I've created a really clear boundary around how our communication will work. Now I commit to that boundary so each time they send me an email within 24 hours I'm going to respond to the email because I've got a good system around my email and on a Friday the day I don't work each week I don't do my emails, I don't check my emails because I want it to be experiencing other things in my life. Now, that clear boundary that I put in place reduces stress in my life. And actually, interesting, I was, another one of my clients who I was working with recently, he's a, he's a coach, a sporting coach himself, and one thing that we discovered in his life is that he'd, he basically had a no-boundary world, and it was really coming at a cost to him. Uh, and so as a sporting coach, you often will, you know, you, you, people are training, so each day you'd look at their training profiles. If someone sent him a message, you'd instantly respond, and it be any time of his day. And so we just worked on, okay, well, let's put some boundaries in place. Uh, and it was that whole idea of at a certain time of day, I'm not going to respond. Uh, here's what you can expect to me with my communication. So we said to him, okay, well, you need to teach your clients how you're going to work with them. And then you need to be really disciplined in sticking to that. And he just said, since then, it's been really powerful because A, his clients are pretty fair. Like when I say to my clients, here how it works, no one ever says, oh, that's, that's so unreasonable. Um, and that's what he said. He said, everyone's been really great about it. And he's, but the great thing for him is it means that he can just work when he's working and then be in the other things in his life. Whereas let's say it's nine o'clock at night and he gets a text from an athlete and it's about something that's important. Well, that takes him back to stress, doesn't it? And if we think of that, that philosophy I talked about before, the best way to deal with stress is to avoid stress. Well, by him putting those boundaries in place, he avoids that stress that could come at nine o'clock at night. Now, he'll still have to deal with that problem, but he'll deal with that problem within the boundaries he works in. So just as we think of this time of year, which is often a really highly stressful time in the year, I want you to really start to, to sit back and think about what can I do to minimize the chances of stress. 
Now, that doesn't mean that this time of year is not going to be stressful. But if we can think of some of the things I've mentioned here, reducing the amount you spend if it's a financial thing, um, with the social functions, putting some boundaries around them to lower levels so you can get good sleep, good nutrition, and your rest strategies. With your work, to put some good boundaries in place with good communication so your people understand what the criteria is and will work with you. So let's say someone does call you up and say, I need this done by Christmas, and you might just say, look, I've got to be really honest, I just can't make it work by then. I can get it worked by the end of January, and it'll be a great job, but it's just not going to work by then. Now, that's, that's going to reduce your stress. So that's probably the first thing to think about on this front here. The second thing to think about on this front here is how do you deal with the stress? So even if you do what I've talked about here, that whole idea of the easiest way to deal with stress is to reduce stress, well, we probably will feel a little bit stressed at this time of year. And so the second thing to think about here is just what are going to be your strategies to deal with stress? And if we know we're in a stressful time, the thing I always think about, and you would have heard me talk about this on the show a lot, is your job is to front foot your stress strategies each day. So if you know you're doing longer hours at work, if you know you're going to be staying up late, if you know that you've got you know, financial pressures, what you've got to think about is what are going to be my ways to decrease stress. So for example, I've got my meditation, I've got my piano playing, uh, exercise, uh, connecting with the people in your life. Just make sure as you look at each day that you give yourself, and I, I really think that most days needs probably two, at least two, two to three to four release points for stress. They don't need to be long, can be if you're working in the office, get out, go for a five minute walk, and just have your lunch outside. You're like that's a it's a nice moment where you take yourself into a different state. You have a bit of moment to breathe, you've a bit of time in nature. All of those types of things really help in your stress release. So, what are going to be your strategies to deal with stress? And then lastly, how do I make sure I implement them each day? And you've heard me talk about the healthy high performer a lot. And what I mean here is that when you wake up each morning, that's the first thing you should be thinking about. If it is, I'm going to go outside and have my lunch on the grass at work. How do I make sure I do that? How do I make sure I don't think I'm just going to work through where I lunch and eat my lunch at the desk? Because while this is a cool time of the year, we don't want burnout. Because when we think of the cost of stress, often it's huge on us. It makes us much more unhealthy. It hurts our relationship. And ultimately, we feel we are losing ourselves if this happens. Actually, I was having a good discussion with someone yesterday, and they were saying... And like that, we were talking about this stress thing, and they are very stressed right now. And they said it's been really interesting because in the past they had really bad ways to deal with stress, and what they are experiencing right now is the idea of going back to those behaviours is popping up again. Now they're not responding to it, but the idea of them it's it's kind of just you know nudging its head above the water and kind of saying, hey, you know maybe maybe I'm an option to think about. And this person identified that these aren't good options. And it's just interesting that they're so stressed that becomes appealing, and we don't want that. We, we really don't, because when we go to those levels, there's often a much bigger cost. Like, if the way you're going to deal with stress takes you to a drinking level that damages your life, that's a massive cost. The way we're going to stress makes you angry at your partner and causes a disconnection or, or, or you know, makes you, you know, snap at your kids. Or if the way you make your stress is you overeat, um, you know this is this is this is really important. And, and and in this moment, a lot of us are stressed. So you know, a as you work, you navigate through this time. Learn to manage your stress by a trying to reduce it, 
It's the easiest way to, to actually, you know, so don't have stress in place. B, identify what kind of stresses you could confront. And then C, put in strategies in place to help you deal with those stresses. While this is an important time of the year and a great time of the year and has lots to offer in really great ways, we don't want it to become in the damage in a way that, that can have a cost that goes way longer than the time that we sit in this time of year. So just something to think about. It's kind of, I just, you know, I just kind of turned on the recorder today and it's kind of popped up in my head because I think it is really, really important. So just something to think about there. Anyway, before I get into the main gist of today's show, I just want to say a big thank you to all the patrons. Now, if you don't know what a patron is, basically a patron is a person who supports this show. And what they do is each time I release a show, they just donate a little bit of their hard-earned money my way. Uh, And I really, really appreciate these people. And basically, um, I've got, Oh, I've got a few patrons, which is really great. And when you become a patron, you get a nickname. And these people have become patrons. And uh, Pip, the silent assassin Langford. We've got Luke, Agent 101001 Miller. We've got Kate, the perfect one Southern. We've got Robbie, Big Shot Allen. We've got Gemma and Glenn Mitchell, Team Divine. Libby, Allen Hilda. And then Rebecca, Bullseye Spears. These are all patrons of the show. If you want to become a patron, go to bevanjamesisles.com. You'll see support me down the bottom of the page, or if you go into the podcast section, you'll see it there, and that way you can become a patron and support me in what I do. Anyway, I'm going to put some music on and get into the main gist of today's show. Being a Bevan show, you know how I do this podcast, one's an interview, one's just a Bevan show. Uh, being a Bevan show, I, um, what am I saying here? I've, I've got two things I want to talk about today. Uh, a bit random, because that's how I roll, uh, and so we'll just see how we go with them. So first first one is something I find interesting, and the second one is a lesson that I've learned in working with a client recently, and I think there's some really good insights that uh, can maybe help many of us as we think about this. So the first thing I want to talk about is... What's that thing in your life that you think is really important to your place in the world, which ultimately maybe isn't that important? Um, now, I think of, for me, this is going to sound really silly, it's my hair. <laughs> uh, when I think of, when I think of uh, hey, I'm just being honest. Uh, when I think about getting old, like wrinkles, uh, getting slower, you know, like my legs, I'm, I'm in early 40s now, I'm noticing that my legs are a little bit drier and I'm starting to get kind of a little old person spots, not majorly, but a little bit. I look at those things and it does not bother me at all. I kind of think it's a bit of character. Um, one of my strategies I always think about in this area is I'm, look, I'm, I'm never going to get better than what I am today. So whenever I get that moment where you feel a little bit insecure about you know, aging. And I think, you know, for those of you who are young and listen to this podcast, you may not have experienced that yet. But for most people who age, and, you know, most all of us age, uh, if you're going to struggle with aging, you know, or most of us are going to struggle with some level of aging. Some won't, but most of us are. And, and what, you know, I always just think it's good to have good strategies. And the strategy I often have is just that, hey, you're never going to look better than what you do right now. You know, if it's an image-based stress of aging. So, um, and even like movement-wise, like I do notice that in my early 40s, I'm, I've am i still kind of got it, you know, <laughs> without sounding up myself. But um, I'm still extremely fit. Um, I can still push myself. But I definitely have lost a couple percent. You know, like when I teach a high impact class, I, you know, there's just that little bit that I, you know, 10 years ago, 
I just did I, I had easily. Now, you know, it's just, you know, it's just aging. Um, and I don't, I don't worry about these things. It's, you know, well, I'm never going to be better than I am today. It's just a really nice way that keeps that in perspective for me. Uh, but my hair is definitely, I'm not quite sure where this is. I think, well, my, I come from a, quite a bald family. My father's bald. Um, all my uncles are bald. And I think just within me is that one thing that triggers me. And I had to laugh when I said that, wouldn't I? I was almost slightly embarrassed as I admitted that to you, wasn't I? And that's the thing about these things, is deep down, we we all know that our worry is a bit silly. You know, like, we all know that, like, what's your thing? You know, as you're listening to this right now, what is that thing for you that you worry about, that you probably think's important for your place in the world, which ultimately you know, you can rationalise and see that actually... That's a bit. It's a bit silly, you know. I, I can I can intellectualize that me worrying about my hair is a bit silly. Why? Because my value to the world is not my hair. My value to my world is is what I offer to my world, how I can help people, um, my growth, my development. There's, there's so much I can bring to the world, and if I didn't have hair, I don't think I would lose those things in my world. So I I intellectualize that. That's an irrational kind of way of thinking but emotionally it's still something I need to work through so uh, and there are times when I'm feeling a little bit vulnerable or I'm feeling a little bit insecure that will be something that I kind of focus on you know like oh you're losing your holes Um, and so with this in mind and again I I think as you're listening to this and maybe you don't but if you're like me and you have that area um, often the funny thing about the area for you is nobody else would really know the area you know like nobody else would know the bit that you think is important. Uh, and, and it's kind of different for every person. Um, it's just an interesting thing to think about. But again, as we as we talk about this, as, as I discuss this, what's your area? What's your area that you think is really important? Now, when we, when we reflect upon and identify the area, often we, we do things to kind of disguise it. Or, you know, and the greatest example is, in, is makeup. You know, for females, and, and nowadays some men are starting to wear makeup, a lot of females will wear makeup as a disguising thing. Now, I'm not saying I'm not saying all females. I, I get that also makeup is a, a thing that we can use to express ourselves. It's it's a thing to create an image of ourselves. Like I love this quote, I think I may have talked about this on a podcast from Bob Dylan and, and he said, I love this quote, it really, really hit me. I watched this documentary. I didn't. I didn't actually love the documentary, but Bob Dylan was talking about. You know, he finds it interesting that in today's world, people people have this thing of, I'm trying to find myself, and he said, and he said, I always thought it was your job to create yourself. You know, and so when we look at makeup, for some people, makeup is a use of creating themselves, but then for us, some people, makeup is a way to disguise the thing we don't like about ourselves. Um, with my hair, uh, I imagine the effort I put into my hair in some ways is, you know, like I'm starting to recede a little bit. Now, I've got to be honest, for a 42-year-old man, I, I should not be complaining because most men are going to lose their hair at some stage. Uh, and again, I come from a long line of bald men. I, I really am being stupid. I get it. But I definitely at times will do my hair in a way just to hide the bit that I'm a bit, I can see that no one else can see. You know. So, Recently, I've been thinking about this, and I've just been thinking about challenging myself in this area, and I'm going to challenge you in this area today as well. 
And what I mean by this is I've decided for the last two or three weeks just to do nothing for my hair. Now, I mean like nothing. Like I haven't put product in. Um, admittedly, my hair's a little bit shorter, so it's, I'm just rubbing my hair as I talk about this. Mm. <laughs> um, admittedly, my hair is a little bit shorter right now, so it's easier to manage. But basically, I've just kind of not put, put no effort into it. Uh, and the whole idea is just to see if my experience of the world is different if I'm not putting the energy into disguising the thing that I'm fearful of. I'm going to say it again. I'm almost doing a self-experiment where I'm not putting effort into the thing that I do to disguise the thing that I feel vulnerable about. And all I want to experience is, is my experience of the world any different? Because I think ultimately, if I'm going to be really honest, and I think for a lot of us, these irrational fears that we have is is that maybe I'll lose or I'll experience a sense of rejection or I might lose some status or I might um, you know there's you feel you're going to lose something if they, if they see that you know and so for myself in this last basically two or three weeks, I, I basically haven't done my hair at all. You know, like, no, no, I put water through it, so it's not, you know, I don't look like a total scruff, but but I haven't, you know, spent time making sure bits are looking like this and so on and so on. And you know what's been really interesting? <laughs> my experience of the world is exactly the same. My interaction with other people, they're exactly the same. Um, uh, my feelings, my emotions, my, everything's exactly the same. Nothing has changed. Now, I think you knew that was what I was going to say. Like, it would be more surprising if I turned around and said, and you know what? My world's rejecting me. Like, we all know that's kind of silly. But it's been a really good experiment for me to do because while we know these things are rational, if we can build some evidence just to prove that it's not, it just allows us to, or at least I'm experiencing, that it allows us to Keep it in perspective. It allows us to diminish it a little bit. Now, I probably will go back to doing my hair, don't get me wrong, but I just want to lose that kind of that fear of loss of something as I lose my hair, other than just losing my hair, but that fear of loss of me or status or um, respect or anything like that. Um, because this, this year is actually unfair to me. Like, it, it's so unfair to me because, again, my hair is not my value in the world. And, um, and I offer a lot of value to my world. And I'm really proud of the value I offer to my world. And if I'm focusing on that, I'm, I'm not putting energy on how I can offer more of what I offer to the world. Like if I'm focused on making sure, you know, this, this here thing, well, what's the cost of, the, the cost, the lost benefit or the lost opportunity, I should say, in doing that? So I've got a challenge for you. Oh, I'm going to challenge you to maybe try something like I've done in the area that you know you hide. You know, one, one of the things, we've seen this on Facebook in the past or on social media, where the females will do the no challenge, the no makeup photo. Um, but I want to do it in a way which is a bit like this. I want to do it in a way where you're not making it obvious. Like, I, up until now, I've told nobody that I'm doing this. And to be honest, people haven't noticed my hair. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> uh, 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 no one's gone, oh, if you've you, you done a different year, no, like, no, no, people haven't noticed. But, but more importantly, 
I want you to kind of give yourself, let's say two weeks, where you take away the thing you do to disguise. So for me, it was doing my hair. Uh, if you ask someone who's using makeup to, um, uh, you know, hide some blemishes in your face. If you're that person who, when you exercise, you have to wrap the, wrap the T-shirt around yourself because you don't want people to see your bum because you feel your bum's looking bad. You know, th- these things that we do, I want you to challenge yourself to remove that thing and just just remove it. And then I want you to think to yourself, I want to give myself the chance to experience my life and these experiences and see if it's any different. My experience has been that it's, it's totally not. And I kind of think you're going to be the same. Like I, I kind of think, let's say you are that person who when you exercise, you wrap your top around yourself so it kind of pushes your bum away. I don't think anyone's going to come up to you and say, oh my God, your bum's you know, an embarrassment. It ain't going to happen. It, it really isn't. Because most people aren't thinking about your bum. No one's thinking about my hair. You know, that's it's just not the way it is. You know, we call it spotlighting. Spotlighting is spotlighting is that we think the world is looking at the thing that we're most vulnerable and insecure about. And with the, the, the counter to spotlighting is no one's thinking about us. <laughs> and I don't mean that in a bad way. What I mean is that most people are thinking about themselves. And it's not that people don't care and love and, and you know want us in their lives. It's just that most people are just self-consumed in their own little worlds. And if you haven't got a t-shirt on when you're exercising around your butt, if you're not wearing your makeup, most people aren't going to notice. Or if anything they notice, they'll probably, you'll probably get a compliment. So I challenge yourself. Now, now I imagine as I put this to you, for some of you, it's a really scary challenge. But that's why it's a good challenge. It's a good challenge because it's going to confront you in a really challenging way to do something that makes you see that there's another option. So the challenge is really simple. Two weeks. Two weeks where you're not allowed to use the thing that you do to disguise the vulnerability or the area that you try to disguise to the world. And the perspective you want to have in place when you do this is I'm just going to experience my life and try to be present in my life without thinking about that thing. Okay, give it a go. So that's my first point in today's podcast. Second point in today's podcast is, hmm, I'm not quite sure how I'm going to address this one, but it's an interesting one. I had a, I had a session with a client today, and it's a session I've worked for a long time. Um, and someone who struggles with weight. Um, and one thing we've learned with this person, and this person is someone who... How do I put this? The thing we've discovered, okay, here's, here's what I'm going to go. The thing we've discovered with this person is that they've always focused on weight. You know, that they have to get to a certain weight to be successful on their, their journey. Uh, and the other thing we've discovered with this person is that when they focus on weight, they tend to put on weight. When they focus on weight, they tend to put on weight. And there's a reason for that. The, the, the next level thing, so I'm working with this person, the next level thing we've discovered is that that when they are in, in a negative emotional mind space, they put weight on. When they're in a negative emotional mind space, they put weight on. Now this is a really important thing to think about. 
So one thing we would, another, sorry, so they focus on weight. And so when they focus on weight, so I'm just going to, I'm kind of just processing this as I talk to you guys. So you just kind of come, come with me here. So what we've discovered is that when they focus on weight, they go to a negative emotional place. When they go to a negative emotional place, they always put weight on. So worrying about weight takes them to a negative place. A negative place makes them always put weight on. Now, one of the things with this client in a long time is that scales were a really dangerous thing for this client. And it was a, it was a double-edged sword where they could never win. So with, this, with them jumping on the scales, often it would tell them they were going in the wrong direction. So whenever they jumped on the scales and it told them they are going in the wrong direction, what would happen was they'd go to their negative mind space and they'd put weight on. But then the flip side of it was, let's say they were doing really well and they had a period where they were doing really well with you know, their weight loss journey. When they put, when they were losing weight on the scale, they focused on weight and they focused on, they created pressure for them, which then made them they have that negative emotion again. So even when they're going in the right direction, they would jump on the scales, they'd focus on weight, they'd go to negative emotion, they put weight on. So over the last few months, we've been doing some, you know, the one thing we've really discovered is that Weight management, and, and we don't really even talk about weight management anymore, but when we talk about weight management, one thing we've discovered is that your real job is emotional management. And a few months ago, we made it, we, I, I came up with a perspective for this person which really worked. Because one thing we've just learned is that anytime they jump on the scales, it comes at a massive emotional and physical cost. Because whenever they come on, they're going to put on weight. Like, it's just like, there's, there's never once that it hasn't happened. Like every time they jump on the scales, they go to a place emotionally which is really damaging for them and they end up putting weight on. So we just know that. So we were having a discussion one time, we were having a session, and, and I said to her, do you realize that jumping on the scales equals putting on weight? So scales is putting on weight. And that, that kind of stamp, that impression on this person had a massive impact because suddenly they, they didn't look, because in the past I think they were looking at the scales as this thing of, um, when I get to a number, it's affirmation that I'm doing well. But history showed us and evidence showed us that this was not the case. Scales always represented putting on weight. So we just, I put the stamp in here and I put this kind of thought in her head. Um, scales means weight. And so suddenly the weight, the scales became unappealing to them. You know, the scales became so unappealing to them. And, uh, you know, someone who pretty much had to jump on scales every day, and which meant that they put on weight because they went to a negative emotion, in the last probably four or five months hasn't jumped on the scales at all because they know that if they jump on the scales, I'm going to put on weight. So we, we found this perspective that allowed them to move away from a dangerous behavior, and it was a really good thing to work on. But this morning we were having a session, and, and a few weeks ago we had a session where um, I challenged them. They, they'd been in this really good place where they got to a weight which they were really happy with. You know, and really, really, really happy with this weight. But they had a bit of an inner fear about being able to stay in that place. You know, I could, I, I've got here, but can I manage it? Now, what was really fascinating about how this person got to this weight was that the one thing we'd worked on, and this goes back to the point that I talked about earlier, the one thing we'd worked on in the last three or four months was you need to be a legend at managing your emotions. 
because you're managing your emotions is actually what keeps you in a healthy weight range. So for the last three or four months, and this person has had some massively challenging emotional times in the last three or four months. Stuff I'm not going to talk about here, but just some massive, hugely emotional stuff. Um, and the one thing that we've done and working together over this period of time is we've we've seen that this, this emotional stuff was going to come, and we've just been working really hard on them using great tools to deal with their emotions. So things like um, looking at the day ahead, looking for those defining moments, thinking of strategies that are going to allow you to, to look after your emotions, uh, front-footing strategies, so injecting little moments in your day where you're going to deal with your emotions. So we just kind of came up with these strategies, you know, how you can deal with your emotions. And for the last four months, this person has managed emotions amazingly well. Like amazingly well, again, in really, really stressful ways. The, the, the thing was, they got to three weeks ago, and they were in a physical place where they were really happy because because they'd managed their emotions really well. The, the, the reason they got to the physical place was because they'd managed their emotions. But in their mind, they didn't see it that way. So then three weeks ago, I said, okay, I just want you to try, um, and it's probably a bit of my fault really, I just, I just want you to stay in the place you are. And what happened in that moment was this client went back to focusing on weight. Now, my, my mistake as someone who was trying to coach and mentor this person was I should have just said, let's focus on staying on your emotions. And my, my client went back to focusing on weight. And then what happened was they went into a place where it went back to negative emotions. So in the last three weeks, I don't actually know if they put on weight or not, that's, I'm not quite sure, but in the last three weeks, I've been in a lot of struggle and there's been a bit of slippage in their behaviors. So this morning when we were having this session, we really Im- Im- imprinted this idea. We sat down and we just had this session and we really imprinted an idea like that, that, uh, that kind of perspective of that scales equals weight. We injected this idea of you should never think about weight at all. What you should think about is bad emotions equals weight. So I'm not trying to manage weight in my life. I'm trying to manage my emotions in my life. Because evidence shows us over the last four or five months that you're going to get a body that you're happy with if you manage your emotions. Weight management isn't the problem. Emotional management is the thing you're trying to do. And I gave an analogy to my client this morning, like I often talk about my beginner running group. And, you know, when we think about the lessons they need to learn, with the beginner running group, for beginner exercises, one of the most important lessons they need to do is they need to learn how to manage exercising. Now, most of them are terrible at it. They're really, really terrible at it. They start, they go too hard, they they um, go too long, they go too intense. You know, they just, they just don't know how to manage exercise. So when we get our beginner runners, one of the lessons that I reinforce over and over and over, like I literally will tell them a hundred times, your job is to learn how to manage. And in learning how to manage, we're going to keep it really easy. Uh, and, uh, you know, and if you can learn to manage exercise, the chance of you running 5Ks is going to go through the roof. And that's how we get them to be successful. And there's lots of other things we do as well. And that's the conclusion I got to with my client today, is that we want you to be happy with where you are with your body and your weight. But that's not the thing we want you to focus on. The thing we want you to focus on is my ability to manage my emotions. 
Because if I can learn to become a great manager of my emotions, like a beginner exercise, a great manager of exercise, I can then know that I'll be able to stay in a healthy weight range. It's just a side effect, and it's a really positive side effect. But all I want to just keep focusing on is managing my emotions. Now, what was really cool with my client today was the last four or five months, they've been using really great tools to how they manage their emotions. And so when we when we were kind of talking, we were like, you know, how hard is it each day to manage your emotions? And they were like, do you know what? It's, it's, it's actually pretty easy. You know, I get up in the morning, I look at my day, I, I see the defining moments. I, you, you know, like to, for her to win her emotions in a day is actually a really easy thing to do. And so why am I sharing this with you? Well, often we're focusing on the wrong thing and the thing that takes us to a worse place. With my client, when they focus on weight, it just takes them to a negative emotional place, which just makes them take backward steps on the direction they're trying to go in. But for the longest time, that's what they're focused on. They needed to jump on the scales every day, but it just triggered a negative emotion, if it was good or bad, and it took them in the wrong direction. The one thing we've learned with this person is that the real thing that they need to become great at is managing emotions. And emotions are a part of life. So their job is to become a legend of emotion management. And when they do that, they'll get the benefits of that. But even when they get the benefits of that, like we were talking, one thing we were talking about is that one thing they struggle with is when they do are in a really good place with their weight is people will comment. People will say to them, oh, you're looking really good. Now, for them, when they were focusing on weight, that actually created pressure. Because they're like, I don't know if I can maintain this. I'm going to have to work really hard to maintain this. It created pressure because they were focusing on weight. So they really resisted praise from other people. It was, it was a thing that actually took them to a worse place. But what we've, what we've said recently is, well, let's change the filter. If you experience that, what you're going to say to yourself is, I'm getting this compliment because I've been really good at managing my emotions. This here is just reflective of me being great at managing my emotions. Now, what was really interesting with this person, and, and I should have picked up on this a couple of sessions ago, or when we did the one, what I said to them last time, because last time, when I said try to stay where you are, there was a definite shift in the energy I got back from this person. You could see panic set in when they started thinking about weight. Whereas this morning when I said, well, let's just do the same thing again, but let's make sure we get it right. And let's put our focus on managing emotions. You could see they thought that was easy. There was no, there was no buildup of bad emotions straight away. And that's what I want you to think about. Now, I'm not quite sure what you take away from this. I'm not quite sure how this works for you, but I just thought it was a really good thing to share. Because I often think we're, we're focusing on the thing that we think we want, but actually it just creates pressure for us and just makes it harder for us to succeed. What we really need to define and figure out is what's the root cause of the problem we need to get on top of? And then how do we focus on that? For this client, weight's not the thing they need to focus on. Emotional management is the thing that they need to focus on. Sure, they focus on the emotional management, they will get to a weight, and it's a nice benefit, but they should never focus on the weight. What's that for you? Or is there that there for you in your life? And if there is, identify it, think about strategies, and then work on putting them in your life. Because to me, if you can get on top of that thing, 
you're going to end up in a place you are more successful. So, yeah. So just to wrap up these two sections, what's that one thing in your life that you're disguising? Take on my two-week challenge. And then are you focusing on the wrong thing that actually makes it harder for you to be successful? What's the right thing for you to focus on? And then how do you put your energy and your strategies in place to actually help you do that? Rightio team, that's this week's show pretty much done and dusted. Um, <laughs> I just felt quite keen there. Uh, yeah, I really got something out of that. There was, um, yeah, there's some good honesty in there, wasn't there? Some good honesty in there. Again, just as I talked about at the beginning of the show, look after yourself through this time of year. I hope you have a wonderful Christmas. Now, I will put a show out um, between New Year's, but it'll probably just be an old interview because I won't have a holiday myself. See? setting clear boundaries for you guys um, and I'll put an old interview on or something maybe from my other podcast that could be of, of use to you guys um, have a wonderful Christmas and New Year's 2020 it's the end of a decade it's you know hopefully you give yourself some time to reflect over this time of year it's always a good time to reflect and think about where you want to progress moving forward in the, in the future um, and, and ultimately I'd love for you to be at a higher level by this time next year whatever that means for you. So thank you for all your support of the show. If you do support the show, um, thank you for all the patrons. If you want to become a supporter and support me in what I do, um, you can go to bevanjamesisles.com and you can see just support me down the bottom of the page or on the podcast section. If you also can go into one of your podcatchers and put a review up or something like that. Actually, I'll, I might try to see if I can find a new review. Let me Give me a second and a pause. And I've got, I've got a beautiful review here and it's just come up um, like today. <laughs> uh, this is from Amanda. Or is it? Is it? Yes, Amanda from Australia. She's got here. What a beautiful thing. Thank you, Amanda. Um, what a beautiful podcast. What a, anyone who's doing any of the reviews, thank you so much. But Amanda's put a beautiful one up here. She's got Bevan is the only fitness podcast I bother with these days. His approach is inclusive, kind, motivating, encouraging to us because to become our better selves, not merely for oneself, but for the bigger picture. Thank you for your humanness and delivering the benefits of fitness. You're a gem. Proud supporter, Amanda. Um, thank you so much, Amanda. That's so... Oh, you just made my day, Amanda. I feel very privileged that you would say those things about what I do. Thank you to Amanda and anyone else who is putting reviews up about the podcast and your podcatchers. It just helps bring attention. Podcasters are everywhere nowadays. We're all kind of seeking attention. And, I, and if you listen to the show, you know I'm trying to do something different. So, yeah, just thank you, Amanda, and thank you to anybody who's putting reviews up there. Again, if you want to be a supporter, go to bevanjamesisles.com. It really just supports me and what I'm doing. Um, Again, Amanda, thank you. What a beautiful, what a beautiful review. Have a wonderful Christmas. Have a wonderful new year. I'll be back in 2020 with some more great podcasts to you to help you grow. As always, keep being you.